Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Thing, and I've really enjoyed that opportunity. One of the things that is kind of unique to the Elements course is there are uh, different people that um, some of them are ministers, some of them are saints, some of them are just people, people. And uh, there's somebody different that kind of gives a video testimony at the beginning of every lesson. Um, and so having done this the third time through now and, and in preparation and different things, um, I've, I've seen most of these video introductions a, a lot of times. And um, how many know that you can hear the same thing a lot of times and then one time something will just jump out and grab you and hit you and not let you go? Well, that was kind of the case for me uh, just a week or so ago. And we were watching the opening video to that. And the gentleman that was giving a testimony said this phrase that I've heard at least three, four, five, six times before, but for some reason it never caught me. But this time it wouldn't let me go. He said, some of the most beautiful things in life are found on just the other side of comfort. Some of the most beautiful things in life are found on just the other side of comfort. So we're going to talk to us tonight simply about that, the other side of comfort. Now, our Bible's filled with stories of, of men and women who decided to push past their comfort zone and experience a far greater thing than they could ever have hoped to or ever imagined for. It's a couple of those. Moses, he didn't like to speak in public, and yet he led Israel out of Egypt. Elijah was supposed to trust God to answer with fire, And he had seven barrels of water thrown over the top of the altar first. Ruth didn't know anything about her mother-in-law's homeland, but she went anyways. Esther knew that entering the king's chamber uninvited could seal her fate, but she went anyways. Gideon wasn't a leader or a man of courage, but he crawled out from the wine press to lead an army. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, but he finally went, and an entire city was saved from destruction. Noah probably didn't want to build a boat and be laughed to scorn by all those around him when he talked about this mysterious thing that was going to fall from the sky called rain, but he built it anyways. Peter knew that it was physically impossible for a man to walk on the top of the water, but he stepped out of the boat. Amen? Just on the other side of comfort, we find some of life's greatest things. We find some of the greatest gifts. We find some of the most powerful experiences are just on the other side of comfort. You never get to see the view from the mountaintop unless you've taken the journey to the top of the mountain. Right? Some of the most beautiful things are found just on the other side of comfort. Now, maybe some of you enjoy the thought of climbing a mountain. I don't enjoy that thought. That sounds like work. That sounds like I'll just take the bus and go to the top. Have I done it before? Yeah. At the end of the day, was it okay? Yeah, I survived. I'm still here. But just to hike up a mountain, like, I don't know. I've got better things to expend my energy on, I guess. I don't have that much to begin with. So I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But 
we, we, can't, we can't get those beautiful mountain peak experiences and views and, and, and the pictures to post on our feeds. We can't get a, that experience unless we've first pushed through the comfort of actually making the climb, making the trek up the mountain. Or if you did take the incline railway or whatever it is, if you're scared of heights, if you didn't enjoy that experience, you never get that view without going past the point of comfort. Amen? Amen. Pastor alluded last week to Acts chapter 17 in our Vision Sunday services, both in the morning and the evening, but he preached about those who turn their world upside down. And the challenge went forth to this congregation congregation that we need to get, stay, and live connected on deeper levels. More than a tagline and more than a cute phrase that we say to close a service, but a rally cry and a call to action for the church, for the saints of God in this city and in this region to get our lives connected, to stay connected and to live connected, connected to God, connected to the lost, connected to each other so that we don't just sit here and go through the motions, but that we actually make a difference in our world, that we actually go forth and change the lives of those around us, that we don't just sit satisfied with the status quo, but that we push forward into something better and into something deeper and outside of our comfort zones get connected to the things that God wants to do in our lives. Now, I'm coming tonight with a word from the Lord as an encouragement to echo the vision of our pastor. We don't turn a world upside down from a comfort zone. We don't see miracles, signs, and wonders from our comfort zone. We don't see lost loved ones racing back to an altar from our comfort zone. And we don't see ourselves growing and progressing in our personal walk with God from our comfort zone. That doesn't happen. No matter what the topic and no matter what the arena, whether it's sports, fitness, music, computer programming, competitive eating, learning a new skill, playing an instrument, learning to walk, riding a bike, ice skates, rollerblades, teaching a Bible study for the first time, teaching a class, cooking a new meal, trying a new recipe. It doesn't matter what the field is. We don't grow and learn without going beyond what is comfortable. Amen? Has anybody experienced any of the things I just said? Has anyone rode a bike before? Hands. Okay. Has anyone tried to ice skate for the first time? Okay. Now, we know, especially if you're an adult, as a kid, you know this too, but doesn't quite have the same impact. As an adult, we know that if we fall and land on the ice, it's not soft. It's not going to feel good. So there's that extra bit of hesitation that says, like, my feet aren't doing what I'm telling them to do. I don't have any traction. I'm on a little micro-thin blade of metal, and I'm on ice. That's a bad combination. But we don't ever learn how to ice skate without stepping out onto the ice, being a little wobbly maybe the first time, a little twisty, shaky, whatever the case is. You don't learn that new skill without stepping outside of a comfort zone. Do we have any other bodybuilders other than me in the house tonight? No? Okay. Oh, one, one or two hands flying up out there. If, if you're into exercise and physical fitness, if you're trying to build or gain muscle, you don't do that without going through a little bit of pain. There's got to be some resistance had in order for growth to happen. In other words, if I'm comfortable while I'm exercising and I'm comfortable after I finished exercising, then I probably didn't ex- ex- actually exercise. I'm not going to grow if I don't actually push past what's comfortable. Now, 
I didn't bring any, but we've got, I don't really know why, but I've got some like little three pound dumbbells at home and I could curl those things for a hot minute. Like I'm not even going to get tired. But at the end of the day, if that's all I'm doing, I'm not experiencing any growth. Why? Because that's comfortable. Now, if you put a zero at the end of the three, then there's going to be a little bit more resistance and it's going to be a little less comfortable. Well, for me, probably not for Brother Kermis because you bet that guy can curl like 300 pounds. But what, what my point is, is no matter how strong you are or not strong you feel, whatever the case is, we don't grow without going past what's comfortable. That's true in the natural world. We got any people that like to cook? I, I wouldn't say I like it, but on occasion I, I can cook. I can follow a recipe pretty well. Um, has anybody, by show of hands here, I'm going to ask you to step out on a limb, step out in faith, no judgment. Has anybody ever tried a recipe and it didn't turn out so well? I've been married to my wife for 14 years and a half. It's a long time to live with me, I know. Uh, give, her, give her a hand, if nothing else. But... I'll say this, the way that we ate when I was still in college and she was freshly graduated is uh, vastly different than the way that we eat now. Um, both in uh, health content and in level of difficulty of preparation. Um, there's a lot less boxes being opened and stuck into the oven. There's a lot less things just being popped in the microwave. But there's been growth that's taken place. And she's a phenomenal cook. She's an excellent cook. Uh, and in that entire time, there's been one meal that she made that mm, couldn't do it. <laughs> couldn't do it. I, I don't know. I don't even truthfully remember exactly what it was. It was some sort of soup. And I don't know if it was pumpkin or squash or what it was. But it wasn't edible to, to me. And I say this with, with all grace, she's, she's okay. I didn't ask her permission, but I've told it before, and if she doesn't forgive me, well, that's a different message. Um, <laughs> but, but I say all that to say, we don't get growth without trying new things and getting past our comfort zone. I'll throw myself under the bus a little bit here. I was a grown child for a long time. Years into our marriage, I didn't eat things that were green. I wouldn't eat a salad. There's still not a whole lot of like things that normal people put on a salad that I will put on a salad, like lettuce, sure, cheese, okay, shredded carrots, maybe. Anything past that, eh, probably not. Dressing, I'll put dressing on there and some croutons. If you get the bacon bits and some ham, 100%. I'm all over that. If you can put meat on a salad, I'll take it. But like, we don't need tomatoes, we don't need onions, we don't need cucumbers, we don't need any... Pepper is not really, I mean, edible, sure, but I don't need all those things. But what I'm saying is I've learned to get to a point to where I've gone past a comfort zone and now I eat more things. I always joked when I was a teenager at restaurants that I was going to uh, start eating salads just so that I could go to the salad bar and get food quicker 
than waiting for the restaurant to deliver it, but that's neither here nor there. What I'm saying is no matter what the circumstances in our lives or what areas we're in, especially even in our spiritual walk with God, we don't experience any sort of growth until we get on the other side of comfort. Amen. I'm, uh, We've been going through these 20 days of connection together, and hopefully we're realizing some things about ourselves through this process. If you've never fasted a meal before, hopefully you're giving that a shot. If you've never done a whole day before, hopefully we're, we're pushing ourselves in this area for our own spiritual growth as much as for the benefit that the whole church is receiving from this fasting and praying together. And if you want to argue about if there's been any benefits, I just point your directions to what happened in this place this morning. The presence of God is in this house in a mighty way, and I don't think it's any accident that that happens after we've taken some time to sacrifice some flesh. Amen? Amen. As I, I was thinking about this message, I couldn't help but realize that we oftentimes don't have any problem stretching our limits and pushing our boundaries when it's something that is detrimental to our spiritual or physical health. It's only the good stuff that we struggle with. Don't believe me? Well, let's look at it. This is just a, a scenario. It's never actually happened to me before, but maybe you've lived through it. Oh, I'm so full, I can't eat another bite. I literally feel like my skin is pulling apart and my stomach is gonna explode at any second, followed by the groan. Ugh. Hey, anybody wanna try this new dessert I made? Well... I probably shouldn't eat that last piece of pizza, but here we go. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe that's just me. No problem there. <laughs> I should probably get off the couch and not watch another episode, but whatever. Let me tell you this. When Netflix or YouTube have to ask, are you still watching? It's been too long. There's probably a limit that should be hit before that point, but if the program says, are you sure this is what you want to do with your life? At that point, it's probably time to, to make a different decision. We don't have any issues saying, I probably shouldn't go to McDonald's for all three meals today, but... <laughs> all right. Getting a little bit more personal, I know I don't need 44 ounces of Dr. Pepper at a time, but if I get a smaller one, then I'll be thirsty too soon. <laughs> we don't have a problem stretching ourselves in these ways. We, we don't have a problem pushing these boundaries. Maybe this is you. It's been 15 years since I ran a whole mile without stopping or walking any of it. Let's see if we can push that to 40. <laughs> when it comes to our physical health, we don't have any problem pushing ourselves a little further in the wrong direction. But when someone challenges us to, I don't know, pray an extra 10 minutes a day, whoa, you should fast a whole day sometime. Well, why don't you skip social media for a week? Who made you my boss? The challenges are a little harder to accept when they're for our benefit. It seems like if it's pulling us further away or, or, or trending downward, I don't have any problem grabbing that extra. Can I complete the whole party pack of tacos from Taco Bell? I don't know, but you'll never know until you try. We don't have problem making those steps. 
We don't have problems pushing that boundary. But when's the last time I said, man, I really should go ahead and pray a little bit longer today. Maybe I should double my prayer time today. Maybe I should spend a little bit more time in the altar. Maybe I should make fasting a permanent part of my walk with God. I don't know about that. Maybe we should take a step back from uh, all the entertainment that's flooding our lives that's not wholesome or godly. Maybe I should spend a little bit less time on social media worrying about other people's lives and a little bit more time worried about my spiritual life with God. And that starts to get uncomfortable, but what if I miss what's going on? I don't know. You'll live. What did they do before Facebook? People still made it. We're still here. You see, we don't get to these things. We don't get to these places living in our comfort zone, just doing what we enjoy. As I alluded to earlier, there's several positive examples for us in the Bible of what it looks like to step outside of your comfort zone. One such example I want to look at a little more closely also happens to be a man that Brother Brom felt to point our attention to this morning, Gideon. Spoiler alert, if you go back and listen to it, you'll hear a lot of the same stuff. Kind of cool how God works, isn't it? Judges chapter 6, I'm going to read a couple verses here starting at verse 11. It says, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. So the first time that we see Gideon, he is literally hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat so the Midianites don't find him. Now, first and foremost, he's hiding, not standing up for himself or for his family in battle. Second, he's threshing wheat in a wine press. His fear caused him to take an action that was at best going to cause a lot of extra work for someone else and at worst going to taint that wine press that, uh, that was going to be pressed for the foreseeable future. What am I talking about here? Well, the process of threshing wheat included laying clump, big clumps of wheat out, taking essentially a club, not really even a knife, a club, and beating the top of the wheat off, separating the straw from the wheat so that you could use the straw for bedding, for feed for animals, whatnot, and then the wheat could be separated and beat to chaff, and then you could get all the things that you needed to make bread, etc., things like that. And so he is threshing wheat. They have a place for this. It's called a threshing floor or a threshing room, but he's doing it in the wine press. Now, why is that a problem? Because when you do this very messy process, I imagine it'd be very difficult to get every bit of that wheat thresh cleaned up. Well, what happens in a wine press? Well, they bring grapes and they pour them out and they crush them to make juice and then that flows forth. Now, what do you get if you've got leftover wheat chaff, 
all over the floor, and then you crush grapes to make wine, and that goes forth. What gets in the wine? All the wheat. There's a reason you don't do these things in that place. So Gideon is hiding, first off. That doesn't sound like a mighty man of valor to me, but the Lord saw it differently. He's hiding, and then he's doing a job in a place that you're not supposed to do that job, and he's causing more work for somebody else down the road, causing potentially the... the, um, ruin of all the new wine that would be created in there because you're going to get all this extra stuff in there that doesn't belong. Doesn't sound like your ideal leader. Sounds like he's got some questionable judgment. (laughs) Sounds like he makes bad decisions. Not really a whole lot of forethought going into this process here. But God sends an angel and calls him a mighty man of valor nonetheless. You see, Gideon's comfort zone was anything but being mighty and a man of valor. His comfort zone was hiding away. But then after the angel of the Lord calls him a mighty man of valor, Gideon proceeds to argue with him. And after this encounter with an angel of the Lord, and after these definitive words of confirmation, Gideon says, okay, God, but if you're serious... You'll do this fleece test. And he proceeds to fleece God, asking him to let all the ground be wet with dew and the fleece dry. And then after the Lord does that, he says, okay, but if it's really you, then you'll make the fleece wet and everything else dry. And the Lord does that. And he's like, how many times do you need me to prove to you that I'm telling you what I'm telling you and that this is what I want you to do? So God sends an extraterrestrial being to have a face-to-face conversation with him. He tells him implicitly that he is going to use him and be with him. And Gideon decides the best course of action is to give God a test to see if he's serious. (laughs) And we sit here and we laugh at Gideon, but then our number's called. God speaks to us directly in a sermon or in an altar and tells us what he's calling us to. And we question it. So God sends a brother or sister over in prayer that speaks confirmation of what God has already told you. And then we're like, Okay, God, but if that's really you, make pastor say this particular phrase into the microphone, and then I'll know. For instance, if pastor says, thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, you need to do what God is telling you to do, then I'll believe. Has anybody ever been there before? You don't have to raise your hands if you don't want to. But when God is challenging us to something... And he's pushing us to something. It's easy to look at Gideon and say, why did it take so many times? Why did you have to keep testing God? Why did you have to keep thinking that you were smarter or that somehow you knew different or better? Why did you have to keep questioning him? He said he'd protect you. He said he'd be with you. He sent an angel for you to see and talk to. And you still didn't believe him? But yet God's sitting there saying, I've been sending messages to you. I've been talking to you in your prayer. I've been using the pastor. I've been using Brother Brahm. I've been using people to speak into your lives to tell you this. I've been sending confirmation after confirmation. I send somebody to you in prayer that says a word of encouragement and confirmation, and you're still questioning. We do the exact same thing that we laugh at other people for doing. We'll poke fun at Gideon, but then when we look in the mirror, we're like, ah, well, I guess that's me. Maybe I'm not that mighty man of valor I thought that I was. It's on the other side of our comfort zone that things happen. My 
intention isn't to just step on everybody's toes tonight and beat us down and make us feel bad about where we are. But my mission is to make sure that we're willing by the end of this night, by the end of this sermon, by the end of this altar call tonight, that we're willing to heed the call of God for our lives. Because church, he is indeed calling us to something bigger. He is indeed calling us to something more. He's calling us to go to another level. He's calling us to see revival come forth into this region. And I believe with all my heart that that's going to happen. And I believe that miracles will happen. And I believe that prayers will be answered. I believe our neighbors and our coworkers will be in this place. I believe that lost loved ones will come find their way back into this house. I believe that the things that we have to see and the things that we desire to see and the things that God is wanting for us to see are just on the other side of our comfort zone. But what is that going to take? It's not just going to take pastor declaring that this is our year. It's going to take you and it's going to take me saying I'm willing to take an extra step past what's comfortable. I'm willing to step outside of what I would normally do because if God said it, I'm going to believe it. If God told me he would be with me when I do it, then I'm willing to say it. If God prophesied that there's great revival coming, then he's not going to leave me out on an island when I take a step out of my comfort zone and speak the word boldly to somebody I know. He's not going to leave me high and dry when he said, I'm calling you to do it. Praise God. Praise God. He's got something in store for us. He is calling you directly to greater things this year. Somebody say me. Yeah, you. He's calling you directly to greater things this year. God is using the leadership of this church to get us out of our comfort zones. If you haven't paid attention to what's going on so far this year, let me quickly recap. First, we've been fasting and praying, which automatically puts us out of our comfort zone. We've instituted these new connect groups to get prayer and Bible discussion in our homes and invite friends and family to a non-threatening environment. Then pastor delivers a vision to the church that I don't know if you were listening last week or not, but he's pushing everyone past our comfort zones and into the work of the Lord. Then Brother Brom gets up this morning and speaks from God about how you don't have to be flawless or perfect, but God wants to put you back together and then use your imperfections as a testimony of his great love and power. And now I'm here tonight flat out telling you that the best of life and the best of your spiritual walk don't reside inside your comfort zones, but just on the other side of comfortable where God is calling us to, to see if he isn't true to his word. You see, God pushed Gideon. First, he pushed him to be the leader of a sizable army, then to whittle down that army, then again to make it even smaller, and then to send the the army into battle against seemingly insurmountable odds with no weapons. You get a candle and a pot and a trumpet. Can you imagine being Gideon? We were picking on a minute ago, but now he is a man that's at his most comfortable being a hider. But God says, no, I want you to be a leader. And then his first three acts as a leader are seemingly counterintuitive. Gideon may or may not have questioned God every step along the way, but he did heed to the word of the Lord and do what God told him to. And the people, I'm sure they looked at him and had doubts and questions and probably even spoke out against his leadership because it didn't look like how they thought it should have been done. What was his first act? Well, to call an army, he could get about 10,000 guys and they're facing 150-ish thousand. That doesn't seem like a good idea. (laughs) Questionable leadership trait number one. 
calling us into certain defeat. And then his next step as a leader was to whittle down the army. Hey, you know what would be a good idea? If we take these bad odds, 10,000 to 150,000, and we whittle that down and make it, oh, I don't know, 1,000 against 150,000. That seems like a better idea. Questionable leader trait number two. And then, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we take that 1,000 and make it 300? This will really be cool. People will think that I'm the greatest general in the world. What are people talking about Gideon behind his back when he's not standing there when he says, all right, look, we get that you called us into battle because we got to stand up for ourselves, but now you're just making flat-out stupid decisions, okay? Like, we had 10,000, and that wasn't good, but now we're 300, and you think this is the best way to do it? And then he says, okay, when we go into battle, let's do it without any weapons. All right, dude, maybe you should go back to hiding because you're bad at this. <laughs> In the flesh, Gideon was a horrible leader. If we just look at his decisions with the naked eye and say, that's not smart. There's 150,000 of them, and you want me to take a candle and a pot and a cute little horn? I think that I would, I don't know, try a gun. <laughs> More effective. But no, Gideon's doing what the Lord is calling him to do, regardless of what anybody else looks at and says regardless of what everybody else might see based off the circumstances that they can see with their eyes, God's telling Gideon, this is what I'm calling you to. This is what I want you to do. And I promised you already, and I promise you again, that I will be with you, that I will keep you, that I will see you to a great victory. And so Gideon does it. Now all of a sudden, I wish I had Gideon's faith. But he pushes him, pushes him past what's comfortable. And I want to take just a second and say there was probably a lot of, we'll just use the word consternation because it's fun to say. There was probably a lot of consternation in the crowd at what Gideon was calling everyone to, calling these men to. You're going to send 300 of our loved ones, our sons, our fathers, our brothers. You're just going to send them to what? Be a sacrifice? Maybe they'll give up after they see they killed us really easy? I don't. What are you doing? You see, people that don't have the vision in their heart, it's easy for them to talk against the vision. And our pastor's not here today, and maybe that's more comfortable for everyone. But when our pastor stands up and gives a vision, if you don't have that vision in your hand and in your heart and know exactly what the Lord said about that vision, it's not our place or our uh, understanding to question that vision. Does it make sense to you? Well, probably not if you haven't heard from God. That's the reality of the situation. But what do we do? We do what the children of Israel did. And we say, okay, God, if you put Gideon in my life, and this is what you told him you're going to do, and this is what you told him he needs to do, then it's my place to fall in line, submit to the leadership that God has placed in my life, and just go ahead and see if you aren't true to your word, that when you're calling us to a mission and you're calling us to a vision, maybe it's not the way I would have drawn it up. Maybe it's not the way I would have done it. Maybe it's not the way I would have planned it out. Maybe I would have put something different here or there. Maybe I would have chose to do this 
a little bit differently. But you're not the leader that God spoke to. I know I'm not the pastor. That's pastor's job to pastor. But I'm here and I hope you understand my heart. I'm not trying to come up here and just throw stones at people. I'm trying to preach to us as a congregation that it is our job to 100% back the vision that God has given to our pastor. And the vision that God's given to our pastor is to see revival, is to see souls saved, is to see lives changed, is to see this church not just be us four and no more, not just what's in these walls, but going out like fire throughout the region. That's what God's calling us to and is there anything about that that sounds bad I don't see anything negative about that so I'm calling the church myself included every one of us if this hits you great if it doesn't even better but I'm calling the church to heed the words of our pastor that go forth because he hears from God God has given him a vision he's given him a plan and he's given us a purpose on how to take this church to the next level in revival and it is not our job to sit back and question to throw stones or to say that my way is better it's our job to buckle up to get in line and obey the word of the Lord that's spoken through the leadership that he's placed in our lives. Praise God. And that wasn't even in my notes, so I know that God just wants us to get on track. Amen. I love everybody in here, but it's not going to be beneficial to any of us if we just sit back with arms folded and judge and question and make our own decision about what's better because God's already told us what's better. Stop doing the Gideon thing where we question again and again and again and again because when you finally start to listen, that's when the miracles happen. Praise God. Praise God. When the people finally obeyed, those 300 men obeyed the words of the leader that God placed in their lives and they watched as God performed a miraculous victory through them. I'm not going to lie to you, church. This is the point in my preparation that I got to that I had a decision to make. I can add in more stories and more padding and more examples, or I can wrap up like 20 minutes earlier. And to the delight of everyone, I chose the latter. So I'm going to invite the music to come at this time, and we're going uh, to wrap this up. We're just going to put a little bow on this talk, and we're going to give God a little bit, okay, a little bit of time tonight. It's no doubt that God is visiting us continually throughout this time of prayer and fasting that we've been doing. And I don't believe it's any coincidence that this is taking place when we're stretching outside of our comfort zones. Read to us Isaiah chapter 58. It's talking about fasting. It says, cry aloud and spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgression. Show them their sin. And the house of Jacob, show them their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask me of the ordinance of justice and they take delight in approaching God. Hold there for just a second. He says, they're acting like they haven't turned their back on me and they still want to live in my wisdom and in my understanding and knowing every step that I'm going to take and every way that I'm going to deliver and everything that I'm going to do, every way that I have. They, they want to know it like they haven't just turned their back on me and, and walked away. They want to know my ordinances and, and my justice. And they take delight in just approaching God like, here I am. What are you going to do for me? He says, what? Verse 3, wherefore have we fasted, they say, and you don't see it? God, I fasted. 
I skipped a whole meal. Do you even see me down here just suffering? <laughs> he says, we fasted and, and you didn't see it. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul and thou hast taken no knowledge? Afflicted our soul. Just because you use big words doesn't automatically make God responsible to do everything that we haven't actually lived up to our end of the bargain for. Praise God, we've afflicted our soul. Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this fast an acceptable day to the Lord? This is what we're doing. We're, we're skipping a meal here, we're skipping a meal there, and then we're just like, God, do you even see me right now? Making the fast more about us than about sacrificing flesh and what does God want to do? We're still stuck on the what we want to do. Haven't sacrificed enough flesh, uh, enough flesh. And God says, and you call this a fast to the Lord? Verse four, behold, you fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You should not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for man to afflict his soul? Um, reading the wrong thing, I'm sorry. Verse five, a, bit, a day for man to afflict his soul is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Would you call this fast and acceptable to the Lord? Verse six, is not this the fast that I have chosen? to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. You see, they're worried about my afflictions and my things and what I'm focused on and what I want to do. And God says in verse 6, the fast that I have called you to, it's to loose the bands of wickedness that are around this nation, to undo heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that I can break every yoke. It's almost like God's idea was better than ours. Verse seven, is it not to deal with heavy burdens? Uh, I'm sorry, is it, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house when thou seest the naked that thou cover him and thou hide not thyself in thy own flesh? Then shall your light break forth as the morning and your health shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before thee and the glory of the Lord shall be your reward. Then shall you call, and the Lord shall answer. You shall cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If you take away from the midst of ye the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. Verse 10, And if you draw out of your soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday saying stop focusing so much on what you think you need and your inward desires and your fleshly lusts and the things that you think that you need to have and start focusing on the other people around you. Start focusing on the world around you that I'm calling you to be a witness to and be a light to and that's when your voice is heard. That's when your darkness turns to noonday, which is, guess what, not darkness anymore. Stop focusing on your way and start focusing on God's way. 
Verse 11, the Lord shall guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and make fat your bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. They shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasures on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then shalt thy own way, I'm sorry, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. We've got a call that's gone forth to us this month, these, well, these first 20 days. And sometimes it might feel like, I don't understand, or I, I don't know, or I, I don't really get why we're doing it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I, I've been guilty of that before too. I'm not gonna lie to you. But the reason that we get there, the reason that our, our, our mind goes there is because we're losing sight of what the real vision for the fast is. God spoke through Isaiah in chapter 58 here, and yes, that's the entire chapter, 14 verses whole thing about a fast that he's calling the people to. And he says, when your focus is all about me and my things and my needs and what's in it for me, you're missing the whole point of everything that's going on here. But he said, when you start sacrificing my words for God's words, my needs for others' needs, my benefit for someone else's benefit, that's the whole point of the fast and the sacrifice that God's calling us to. What do you say that we're to prefer our brother? What do you say, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Love one for another isn't me focused. It's not me centered. And so when he's calling us to these things and he's giving us a vision and saying what he's gonna do, that doesn't start with focusing on how bad my life is and how hard this circumstance is. It says, I'm sacrificing my flesh, my desires, and my needs for the benefit, ultimately, of the kingdom of God. So I'll stand. God is desiring to show us more. He wants to use us more. He wants to push us just past our comfort level and call us to taste and see that the Lord still is good in a new dimension and in a new level, deeper than we've ever experienced before. But it's gonna cost us pushing outside, pushing ourselves past comfort. I don't know what the call is to each individual tonight, and I won't pretend to know what God is working with you directly about. For some, it might be about instituting fasting as a, a more regular part of your walk with Him. For some, it might be about a deeper, more meaningful prayer life. For some, it might be taking the step of being baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. For some, it might be receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. For someone, it might be stepping into apostolic 
Holy Ghost boldness and proclaiming truth to someone around you. I don't know what God is calling you to exactly, but I'm sure that you do. I have no doubt that God has been speaking to hearts and minds right, as lo- right along as I've been preaching this evening. My challenge to you and my call is that you would push past to the other side of comfort and see what God will do. I don't have a more elegant way to put it. I don't have a prettier way to wrap it up or end it. I don't have a fancy quote to say at the end. I've just got to tell you what's on my heart and what God wouldn't get off my heart for the last couple weeks. And don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching this because I'm better than anybody else. I'm talking to myself here as much as I'm talking to anybody. Comfort looks like different things for different people. To some, standing here would be horribly uncomfortable. It's not uncomfortable to me. So just don't, don't get the idea that, oh, he's up there with a microphone. He's past his comfort zone. He's already got this figured out. No. I'm preaching to all of us, including the man in the mirror tonight. I'm going to open this altar in just a second, but it's not an accident what God's been doing around here. And it's not a mistake what God's been calling us to. And I want somebody to know, truthfully, I want everybody to know what God's been dealing with you about, what he's been talking to you, what he's been putting on your heart. That call that just won't leave your mind, it's not a mistake. It's not an accident. Yes, it is going to push you. Yes, it is going to stretch you past what's comfortable. But there's a reason for that. God is reminding somebody that the most beautiful thing you'll ever see in this life physically or in the spiritual life is when you're just on the other side of your comfort zone. These altars are open tonight. I wish everybody would just take a step up here. Church, God is calling us all, all of us, to another level to another dimension. He's calling us to break through, to get past. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you'd like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.